Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez. January 24th, 2019. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that just sound crisp? It's so easy on the ears. Why I haven't gotten rid of it? The atrocious microphone that I used... Uh, last week, I still have it, but it is uh, it's decommissioned. Uh, we're not ever using that thing again. It was bad. It was it was real bad, which sucks because you know, kind of ruined a pretty good episode. I thought we had some good uh, content last week, and it kind of tarnished it a little bit because I mean the quality of the sound was just terrible. And uh, you know, but it's it's okay because you know we there's always there's always uh, another episode, and uh, we got some great stuff this week. I'm really excited. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There are some Thursdays where I'm like, I, I don't feel like, I really don't feel like getting out there recording. It's freezing cold where, uh, where I'm recording right now. I can see my breath. I'm not joking. As I'm recording this, I can see my breath coming out um, as I'm speaking right now. So the conditions aren't always great. I don't always want to be in here. Sometimes there's not a lot of news going on and I don't feel like talking about, you know, some nonsense, but not this week. I'm really excited. We got some good stuff this week. And there's no game. That's what's so crazy. Usually I, I'm, I'm kind of dependent on big games, you know, picking the games, breaking them down, talking about what's going to happen. This week there are no games, and I feel like we have some great stuff lined up for the show. I feel like we have a great show coming up because I'm doing more opinionated stuff. Today's going to be a pure uh, opinionated episode. I'm doing a reaction uh, to the AFC and NFC Championship games, how I felt about, you know, the, the, the way those two ended. Um, James Harden is just bawling out of his mind. Excuse me. And so a lot of people, that was a mini yawn slash burp. It was like in the, in the middle. I just had, I just had a great lunch and, uh, I immediately started recording. That might not have been the greatest idea, but James Harden is, he's just going off. He is going off on everybody. He's now pushed his 30 point, uh, game streak to 21 games in a row. He's had at least... 30 points, and he topped it all off with a 60-piece last night at MSG, tying Kobe Bryant's uh, record um, for a visitor, I guess, at Madison Square Garden. The all-time scoring record is 62 by Carmelo Anthony, uh, but nobody cares about that. It's Kobe Bryant's record. And uh, quote of the week, as always, every every single week, we like to close it out with a quote of the week. We got a good one this week, so let's go ahead and get right into the show. I mean, it's, uh, oh, this episode is brought to you by Anchor. Um, Baboon, I guess, pulled their sponsorship, or I don't know know about pulled it, but um, it ran its course, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty sad, pretty sad about that, because Baboon was probably the coolest sponsor that I've had. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, no, no, uh, not throwing any shade to Anchor, but uh, yeah, they're they're like the only non- um, or I guess real sponsor that I have or have have had because Anchor I think I don't know if it's like everyone gets a sponsorship from Anchor but uh, like a lot of people do. So uh, a Baboon was pretty cool because it was like an outside brand I guess and their bags were they were fantastic. I mean if you didn't if you got to go to that website uh, I'm still promoting them. Hopefully I can get that sponsorship back. Uh, Baboon to the Moon dot com. Their bags are ridiculous. I mean they just look like. They're they're fantastic. You go to the website, they look great. But uh, this episode is sponsored by Anchor, not Baboon. And Anchor still has not really fully... They're, they're sponsoring me, but they're not endorsing me, if that makes any sense. If you, go to the, if you use the Anchor app, I don't know where you like to listen. Um, if you listen on Apple or Spotify or some of you listen on Anchor. Uh, if you go to the Anchor app, you look at the front page, there's a bunch of nonsense podcasts there. I mean, and then you go to the sports section specifically... Uh, on Anchor, I don't know about Apple. Well, if we're not on Anchor, we're I can bet you my house we're not on Apple. But you go to Anchor and you look at the top-rated um, podcast under the sports page. Like four or five of them haven't made a new episode since like September last year, 2018, and it, it, it's just infuriating to me because I'm in the, the the frozen tundra here. I mean, I can I can see my breath. I'm not exaggerating. I can see my breath right now as I'm recording. Um, I'm grinding every single week. I do my, I have these, like these notes that I, that I write. It takes like two hours of my time, uh, for me to type all these notes. And then I'm in here recording, uh, and then anchor just doesn't care. I mean, to their credit, I wouldn't have any of any of this if it weren't for anchor. 
I give them that much, but I'd like to, I mean, it's kind of, they leave it kind of up to you to promote your own, but I, I'd, I'd like if they help me a little bit more. And I imagine it's not just me. I don't know how many users are on Anchor. Uh, there's probably a lot of people who are like me who are actually putting a lot of time and effort and care into their podcast. And then they see these, these bozos with like four episodes uh, and they haven't had a new one in over a year and they're on the front page. So, um, yeah, they're our sponsor today. We're, they're paying us money to talk about them. Um, let's go ahead and get right into it. First off, today, NFL. We're not doing any picks because there's no games this week, obviously. The Super Bowl is coming up. We will have a Super Bowl special next week. Uh, next Thursday, we're going to be picking games. Probably the whole show is uh, going to be just the Super Bowl. One game. And I'm debating. I'm probably not going to do it because I'm... Uh, I'm kind of lazy. I guess this is why I'm not on the front page. We're, we're going to keep that joke alive uh, until they put us on the front page. Every time I make a mistake or I don't know something, I'm going to say that's why I'm not on the front page. And we're just going to keep that running joke until you know it annoys you enough to email Anchor and say, hey, can we get this guy on the front page, please? I, I can't stand his ridiculous running jokes from seven years ago because we're not going to get on there anytime soon. Um, because Anchor, they don't like me. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why, but they don't, they don't like me. Um, Forgot what I was saying again. I'm debating on recording every single day of Super Bowl week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then publishing the episode on Thursday. And the reason I'm thinking about doing that is because Super Bowl week, it's like it might as well be Super Bowl month. I mean, it's your the hype and the buildup every single day for one game is just it's humongous. I mean, the Super Bowl is probably it is the biggest sporting event in North American sports. Without a doubt, it is probably one of the biggest sporting events in the world. I mean, you could, as far as like the number of eyes are, that are going to be watching the Super Bowl, you could put it up there honestly with the Olympics and with the World Cup. Uh, and especially, I mean, when you when you tally up as many how many people are watching, how much money they make off of just the Super Bowl, you could honestly put the Super Bowl in the Olympic class. I I, I would. Now, does that mean that blokes in London care about the Super Bowl as much as the Olympics? No, I mean, obviously not. So I guess I'd put it third behind the Olympics and then behind the World Cup and then the Super Bowl as far as the biggest sporting events on planet Earth. Um, so I'm debating on recording a little bit of news every single day because there's going to be like a new storyline, a new quote every single day. Um, I'm debating about recording every single day, you know, what happened today. I'll go through the news and then the next day I'll do the same thing and then I'll just bunch it all together um, on Thursday and I'll, I'll do a, a small recording on Thursday also. So you'll have, a compre- you'll have comprehensive coverage of the Super Bowl courtesy of the Crowd Noise podcast. I'm probably not going to, okay, because uh, I, don't, I don't put that level of effort uh, into the show. That's why I'm on the front page. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm debating it. The fact that I've, um, I've wasted like four and a half minutes explaining this you know, I'm I'm leaning to doing it, but it's it's not set in stone. Um, but just be on, we'll have an ep- we're gonna pick games next week. That's that's basically what I wanted to say this whole time. Next week there will be a pick. This week there are no picks. Um, there's no games, and I'm not gonna pick NBA regular season games. I mean, come on, that's a waste of time. I mean, these games virtually um, they mean like next to nothing. These these games. Unless your teams like the Clippers, like the Lakers, you know the you know the bubble teams. If you're one of the upper echelon teams, um, the Warriors, the Raptors, the Nuggets, I'll throw them in there just because the record is good enough. The Celtic, you know the the regular season doesn't matter. The Bucks, uh, I forgot, almost forgot. You know you know who I'm talking about. The best, like the top, you know four or five teams in each conference. These games are virtually they don't matter. If you're five or lower, these games, yeah, they do matter um we're not gonna cater to those teams i'm i'm actually tired of talking about the lakers to be honest i'm really tired about talking about the lakers i'm sure you're tired of hearing about the lakers they're just on they're on tv nonstop, and they should be but i'm just tired of you know basically repeating the same thing just for you know magic johnson to ignore me um so we're gonna go ahead and talk about james harden later um there will not be any picks we're gonna do nfl first and i want to do specifically I want to do my reaction. I want to let you know how I feel about the way the two championship games unfolded. Um, obviously, you've heard, you know, just uh, all kinds of controversy with both games. 
Um, some people are, you know, saying get over it. Some people are upset. I just want to let you know how I feel because I feel very strongly about it. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean I have to be right. You know, obviously my opinion is not going to change the outcome of those games. Uh, the Saints fans, the same thing. They're planning on suing the NFL. And you know what? Good on them because at the very least they can complain and they can whine. You can call it whatever you want, but at the very least they're doing something about it. Will it resolve what happened on, on Sunday? No, absolutely not. Because you're with, they're suing to have the game replayed. Or the fourth quarter replayed between the Saints and the Rams. Same score. Uh, and just start the fourth quarter over again and then just see what happens. That's not going to happen over the course of one week for that lawsuit to get, you know, I don't know how the law works, like if you were to sue someone. But I doubt that it works quick enough for you to create a lawsuit, you know, get into court all, and then win by the time the Super Bowl comes around next, I don't th- so I don't think it's going to happen. But credit to them for doing something about it. They're not just sitting around and crying. They're doing something about it and crying, and at least they're they're giving an effort. So so good on them. With that, let's go ahead and get into the topic. This is how I really feel about it. On Sunday, January twentieth, two thousand nineteen, the NFL had two championship games that both went into overtime. Two games that were entertaining and competitive for three and a half quarters specifically. And uh, I left both of those games with one feeling in mind. Uh, They were great. Let me get this out of the way. They were great games. I mean, you take away the controversy, the overtime, like everything I'm going to discuss right now, erase that. Those games were good. They were entertaining games, the both of them. I mean, again, for three and a half quarters, and that's when things started getting interesting, you know, for different reasons, and we're going to talk about that. But the games were exciting, and they were compelling. I think those those two words mean the same thing. But you get the point. I mean, the exciting square. That's how that's how interesting both of those games were. Uh, the Rams, you know, they had a, a gutsy comeback. They started off thirteen to nothing, and uh, it looked like that game was going to get out of hand, and then they came back. Uh, the Patriots, the opposite. They they took early lead. They shut down the Chiefs first half. That game should have gotten out of hand, and the Chiefs kind of took care of business in the second half. And the games were fantastic. But uh, it, it's not just that. If they were just fantastic, then we wouldn't be having a reaction. It would just be a comment. You know, these games were fantastic. Um, I left both of those games with one feeling, and that feeling was just utter disgust. I really felt disgusted after watching those two games. Uh, it was it was um, disappointing the finish of the, of the Rams and Saints game. I mean, the fifty seven yard field goal was kind of anticlimactic because you know they had these two powerful offenses going at you know each other head to head. You know, company they both have pretty good defenses, and uh, you know to end it on a field goal just felt anticlimactic. And the way the road that we took to get to that field goal was also anticlimactic. And uh, discussed because from the Patriots and the Chiefs game, because that game just felt. Well, hang on, let me go. Uh, let me move back real quick. So I felt, you know, kind of, you know, disappointed in the Saints and the Rams game, but I felt some level of optimism because I was like, I was disappointed in the way the game ended and how it ended. Um, not that I wanted the Rams to lose, but I didn't want to see them win the way they did, and I was disappointed to see the game end like that. But I had a level of optimism because I felt, okay, there's another game. Maybe this game will be, you know, and it's the last game of the day. Maybe this will be the proper ending to, you know, that we all want to see. And for three and a half quarters, it looked like that's what we were going to get. Or really, yeah, three and a half quarters, it looked like we were going to get, you know, the proper ending to championship day. And then we didn't. So I was really disgusted that it came, that it ended the way it did for both, both games. Um... And it has nothing to do with who won specifically. It was really more how they won. Um, both teams, I feel, were really gifted wins by the referees. And I know that's kind of a cop-out answer. You know, it sounds like that's usually the answer of someone who's, you know, the, the salty, lo- the sore loser at the party or, the, you know, the watch party or whatever. Oh, the refs robbed us. It's terrible. The refs, man. No, the refs actually had a hand in this game. Both games. And uh, it wasn't just this Sunday. It was a lot of Sundays before this one. And we're going to get into that really quick. It was, I felt a, a level of disgust because there was two teams that are the beneficiaries of, 
you know, replacement referee level officiating. And uh, both of those teams are going to see themselves in the Super Bowl, which I said is maybe one of the greatest sporting events on the face of this planet. They're going to they're going to have the opportunity to play in that game off of uh you know a a missed call or a bad call, you know something that has nothing to do with their individual performance. Um and I'm going to break down each game, how I felt about each game and then how I feel about the super the ensuing Super Bowl. So let's do the NFC first just because it was the first game and that was I guess there was more controversy around that game, even though I feel like it should be the other way around, but we're, I mean, whatever. I don't, I don't control mainstream media. It feels like more people are upset about the Rams than the Patriots. Um, and I think the Patriots call that the call it, the call that they received was even worse than the pass interference against, uh, the Rams or not, or the lack thereof. Um, but the Rams started their championship game down 13, nothing. And they look, lost. I mean, they really looked, you know, out of sorts uh, under the cracked roof of the Superdome. I mean, it was so loud in there that the the Saints fans were just so loud. The roof of the Superdome cracked. Let me, I can't stress that enough. The noise level cracked the Superdome. I mean, that's how, that's how wild it was in there. And it looked like it was about to be you know, tw- it could have been 20 to nothing, 20 to 3. It was getting ready to get out of hand. And to the Rams' credit, they they sparked a comeback. And not the Rams, specifically Jared Goff. He took command and he led the Rams back into that game. Um, so the game was entertaining. I, am not, I enjoyed, I appreciate the fact that he brought them back into that game. Because then if it was... If, it got out of hand. If it was 20 to 3, the game would have been over. It would have been a boring game, you know? And we, it, as fans, and as someone who is now a member of the media, though I am a, a very small fish in a very large pond, um, I think it's better for me if the games are entertaining because it gives me something to talk about. Um, and, it, and of course, I just like to see good games, period. If I had a podcast or I didn't, I want to see good games. And uh, the Rams came back. And uh, they, they came back and squared the game up and they made it interesting. And uh, honestly, it again, I don't have a problem with who won. I have a problem with how. It was probably a better thing for the Rams. Let me, let me uh, rephrase that. For the Los Angeles Rams to get it in the Super Bowl over the New Orleans Saints. It's better for big market LA to be in the Super Bowl than small market New Orleans. But what bothers me is seeing the game taken away from the Saints and handed over to the Rams. Uh, the Saints had a, a, a drive. They were driving downfield, you know, which should have been the last drive of the game. Uh, they made it all the way down to the red zone. Okay, again, and people are bringing up this point too, which is fair. It's a fair point to make. Why on God's green earth would Sean Payton throw a crossing route on first down um, and stop the clock and save the Rams a timeout? Why not just run the ball three straight times? All At this point, the game was tied. All they needed was a field goal to win, and the game would have been... If they got a first down, the game was over because then you have a new set of downs and you could like clock it and you know put the ball exactly where your kicker... It would have been over. But even still, I mean, they should have ran the ball on first down, whatever... They didn't, and they stopped the clock. Uh, that was that was a bad decision, um, on the Saints' part. That was not, that was bad. I even uh, real time. I was as I was watching the game. I said that was that was dumb. That was the dumbest play call I've seen today. Why would you throw the ball on first down? There's less than a minute left, and you just saved the Rams a timeout. But nevertheless, that's not what I'm here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is, and I'm I'm sure you've I know you've already heard about it. There was a passing interference on Nikel Roby Coleman, his USC product, fight on forever. But he had the most, he himself said, yeah, I, that was passing interference. I drilled him. He used different words, but I, I can't, can't use him here. He drilled, uh, you know, I forget the name of the Saints. Who was it? Uh, it wasn't Torrey Smith. Who the heck was it? I forget. That's why I'm not on the front page. But it was passing interference. It doesn't matter who. It could have been on Taysom Hill. It could have been on Drew Bledsoe for all I care. It was passing interference and there was no call. 
and the drive stalled. The game went into overtime, and the Saints lost the game. Now, again, and people are pointing, this is ironic that you know people are more up in arms about this game than they are about the Chiefs and Patriots game. And the reason I say that is because the Saints had opportunities, you know, to finish this game off, even with all, you know, the controversy. They shouldn't have thrown it on first down. They got the ball first in overtime, and then the Rams forced a turnover. So it's it kind of confusing to me that people are more upset about this game than they are the other game, because the Saints had opportunities. Um, but even still... It should never have gotten to that point because if the referee, and even in again in real time, um, from the camera angle, you, you know you watch the game like from like from the side, uh, it didn't look like pass interference. And then they they showed another angle and uh, the slow motion one where it's kind of on the sidelines. It is blatantly pass interference. I mean, it could not be any more obvious. I think if there's no pass interference, that's a touchdown. Not only is it a first down, it's a touchdown. The game is over right there. So, I mean, and the ref, for him to miss that call when he's literally less than 10 feet away from the play, that is a problem. That is a severe problem. And then the Rams go on to win the game. And then they're playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I, it's just so frustrating to see the Rams, not, not just to see the Rams in the Super Bowl, because, you know, I picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl preseason. I like the Rams, but just the way they got there being the beneficiary of, you know, just poor, you know, uh, officiating in the game. To, to imagine that the NFL, the greatest football league on the planet, has, you know, officiating this awful. This wouldn't fly at a high school state championship game. Why is this, you know, acceptable on the game that you, if you win this game, you play in the Super Bowl. There's zero excuse for any of this. And uh, I just felt disgusted by that. I was just really, really shocked and kind of deflated because I felt, well, here's one team that it's kind of doesn't really deserve to be in the Super Bowl. Um, not that I don't think the Rams um, aren't better than the Saints. Uh, do I think the Rams could have beaten the Saints, you know, fair and square? Yeah, yeah that game was a real toss-up. And I, I said it last week, those two, both games are really hard to pick because both games are really, you know, they're going to be closely contested. And... Uh, but just to see the way the Rams got there um, off of a non-call, kind of being gifted a second, uh, you know, second life, it, it's really frustrating. And at that point, I was, I was just you know, kind of down on the Super Bowl. I felt like one team is, does not truly deserve to be there. Um, do they have the talent? Are they good enough to play in the Super Bowl? Yeah, but they didn't earn their way there uh, in the championship game. They obviously earned their way to get to the championship game, but during the championship game, they did not. I don't feel that they were truly the winners because if they call pass interference, the game is over. The Saints, they go on to win. There is no turnover to be forced in overtime by the Rams if there is a pass interference. So that's the way I felt about the NFC game. More disappointment than anything else. But I held out. I had a slight level of optimism because, again, there was a second game on CBS, the Pat. Uh, the Pats and the Chiefs. I almost said the Patricks Mahomes because on my notes here I have Patrick Mahomes. I almost said the Patricks and the Chiefs. That's what the Chiefs should change their name to. They should be the Patricks now because Patrick Mahomes is just that good. But nonetheless, all jokes aside, I'm very upset at this game. The Patriots and the Chiefs. Uh, the Patriots were kind of the opposite of the Rams. They jumped out on the Chiefs, whereas the Rams started slow and had to you know claw their way back. Um they shut down the Chiefs' offense entirely that first half. I mean, it was boring. That first half must have went by in 10 minutes because there was the Chiefs were just on the field for three play. It was three and outs every single time. I don't even know how many first downs they got in that first half. It might have been literally less than three that, that entire first half. And to the Chiefs' defense credit, they kept the Chiefs in the game. I think it was 13-0 or 13-3 at halftime. Uh, the Patriots had every opportunity to put that game away in the first half, and they did it. If you're up by 14, if you're up by 21 against the Chiefs, you're, they are not out of it because that's how good uh, Patrick Mahomes and that offense is. And uh, don't tell me that they were shut down in the first half because you play two halves. And what happened in that second half? Patrick Mahomes put on a display for the entire country to witness because everyone was watching that game. Everyone who's a football fan 
whether you're a diehard or you're a casual, you were watching that game because it was it was in prime time. It was the Patriots. Everyone knows the Patriots. Uh, I, th- I feel like Patrick Mahomes. Everyone knows who that is by now. They should, whether you're not, whether you're a, you know, you're a novice or you're casual or not. You know who Patrick Mahomes is. You know, you definitely know who Tom Brady is. So people were watching that game, and if you didn't know who Patrick Mahomes was uh, before Sunday, you know now because of what you saw in that game. Patrick Mahomes took over. He outplayed Tom Brady that entire second half. I don't care. Uh, the Patriots won. We're going to get into that. Patrick Mahomes outplayed Tom Brady that game. Tom Brady had two picks, and it probably should have been three. Let's just be honest. Um, Patrick Mahomes put on a display, got his team right back in the game, and actually took the lead more than a few times. I'm telling you, this game was entertaining. It's not that I I don't like the Patriots or I was rooting for the Chiefs. It was a great game, and then it was taken away from us. And uh, the game should have been over. The Patriots, you know, they they scored a last, uh, they scored a touchdown in their last uh, drive in regulation, and the Chiefs came down and kicked the field goal. That's sent it in overtime. But my biggest problem is not that the Patriots stole it from Kansas City uh, on the road. Tom Brady's done this to everybody. A last, you know, his last drive in the fourth quarter to win the game. He does this to everyone. It wouldn't have been a surprise. It was how they got down the field. Um, it was a second and seven. Uh, the Patriots had, they were still on, I think it was their side of the field still. Um, yeah, they were on their side of the field still. Um, and there was, there was a, a flag. It was an incomplete pass, by, incomplete pass by Tom Brady. Would have forced them into kind of a third and long, third and seven on their side of the field. It would have put them in kind of, you know, a rough spot. Um, and then there was a flag. And uh, there was no pass interference. I mean, you could see that. You can usually tell when there's pass interference because usually a receiver will be on the ground or the ball will be nowhere near the receiver and, uh, you know, flags will come out immediately. There was no pass interference, so you wondered, okay, is it a holding, false start? It was something. Well, it wouldn't have been false start because they would have blown the play dead. Um, but, you know, the referee comes on TV and he says rough in the passer. And uh, I never once, I never once saw Tom Brady on the ground, so I was I, I couldn't imagine how it, how it was rough in the passer. And uh, when you see the instant replay, it is nothing short of infuriating. Um, Chris Jones, right? Yes, I want to make sure. I got that much. I did enough research. I did that much, that much research last night. Chris Jones reaches over an offensive lineman. Mind you, while Tom Brady still has the football the Duke, the pigskin, whatever you want to call it. He still has the ball in his hands. It has not left his hands. He hasn't thrown it yet. He still has the ball in his hands. He reaches over the offensive lineman with his right arm. Or is it his left arm? I don't know. I'm getting too specific. I didn't do that much research. But he reaches over. He hits Tom Brady with an open hand, an open palm on his shoulder pad, never once making contact with his helmet. Uh, Tom Brady's... Still has the football in his hands because there is a rule if the quarterback has let the ball go, you, you can't touch him. Uh, that I agree with that with that rule because why are you going to drill a guy that has nothing to do with the play anymore? You know, leave the quarterback alone. The, but the ball is still in his hands. He hasn't even thrown it yet. He gets rid of the ball after he gets hit on his shoulder pad, not on his helmet, um, and he never hits the ground. If you watch the instant replay, go on YouTube. Just Chris Jones pass or roughing the passer. You can see the whole thing there. It's in slow motion. It's in real time. He never touches the ground. He doesn't even stumble. Tom Brady doesn't even flinch from Chris Jones. And they threw a roughing the passer penalty. It gave the Patriots 15 yards and an automatic first down. And after that, you know, there was some other call. There was a a drop by Chris Hogan that was ruled a catch. I'm sorry, but I I was led to believe that if the ball touches the ground, if it touches the grass, it's a drop. And the ball clearly, t- the nose of the football clearly touches the ground. And, uh, you know, they, they're trying to reverse the Des Bryants, the Calvin Johnson, you know, drops. They're trying to make do or uh, make up for those by, you know, reversing drops now. So it was ruled a catch. There's another Julian Edelman one that, w- that was a drop, and they ruled it a drop. So I guess, you know, they're picking their spots, I guess. And then they scored a touchdown on that drive. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs tied it. It didn't matter because the overtime rules, if you score a touchdown first, the game is over, which I've always disagreed with. It has nothing to do with this week. I've never liked that rule. Each team should be guaranteed uh, an opportunity 
to, uh, you know, to have the ball. What if this was the other way around? What if the Chiefs got the coin toss? That game was over. Whoever got the ball first, it, the game was over because the, the Chiefs were fully warmed up. Patrick Mahomes, you know, he, he was ready to go in that second half. The first half, no. But the second half, he completely took over. They were marching up and down the field. He, only, he had like less than a minute to tie the game in the first place. He drove all the way down in like less than a minute to tie the game with a field goal. So who's to say he wouldn't have gone down and gotten another field goal or at least a touchdown so, or a, a touchdown or at least a field goal? So, I mean, the overtime rules need to be fixed. What will we be saying if this happened to Tom Brady? What will we be saying if the game, if Tom Brady never saw the field in overtime? There would be riots. I mean, there would, it would just be pandemonium. It would look like the purge outside of your window. People would be burning down houses if Tom Brady didn't get an opportunity. But because, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the new kid on the block, nobody cares. Um, that rule needs to be fixed. Period. I mean, it, it kind of worked. And again, going back to the Saints game, what if the Saints had scored a touchdown and the Rams would have never gotten on the field either? And the way Jared Goff was playing in that second half, I think the Rams would have come down and scored a touchdown also if they, you know, if the rules were different. If both teams were guaranteed at least one possession, I think you know both games would have went into double overtime because all four offenses would have scored. I, I firmly believe that. But anyway. Besides the point that I'm trying to make. The Patriots benefited on the worst, maybe the worst defensive penalty in the history of the sport. And it was that roughing the passer against Chris Jones on Tom Brady. And it was just nauseating. That's where I was disgusted. I was disappointed and deflated after the first game, but I had a small level of optimism. After that second game, I was utterly disgusted with... And of course, let me clear this up because I know what you're thinking. I'm a hater and I'm salty and this, whatever you want to call it. I have no beef with Tom Brady or with the Patriots or with Sean McVay and Jared Goff. Um, Every team on Sunday played great and that is my problem. Um, To see these teams play so well, they work so hard all year long in the offseason, it was just, it was so frustrating to see the games unfold the way they did and uh, you know spoil because it was one th- it would be one thing if the Chiefs had played bad all game all game long like if it was let's say 13 you know to 7 at the end of the game the Chiefs only had one touchdown all game long that'd be different you could say well that they should have scored you know the three quarters before the fourth they turned it on I mean they were shut down the first half that's what Bill Belichick does um and then they started trading blows in that fourth quarter I think it was the most Fourth quarter points in a postseason game of all time. Just Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes going back and forth. It was so frustrating to see these teams play so well and have it taken away. And uh, my takeaway from both games is uh, the Rams and the Patriots have a gargantuan asterisk next to both of their names. It shouldn't be the Super Bowl. It should be the asterisk bowl. Because neither team... Had they not received those horrendous calls or non-call, whatever you want to call it, had those referees not gotten in the way of the football game, neither of those teams would have been in the Super Bowl. Neither. None of them. Because you wouldn't have been in, the Patriots wouldn't have gotten that first down, obviously, and 15 bonus yards after that. Um, you wouldn't have taken away the uh, the interception because of the uh, offsides, because it would. They, I think that was on a first or second down which they wouldn't have had in the first place if it hadn't been for the rough and the passer. And the Saints would not have lost in overtime because they would have kicked a field goal. Um, the Rams would have had to drive the length of the field in less than a minute or something like that. They had a timeout or two. So, I mean, they would have had a, they would have had a legitimate chance. And maybe the game still goes to overtime. I don't know. Maybe the Patriots get a first down on third and seven anyway. But the point I'm trying to make is let the players figure it out. Let the players play. The referee should not have any impact on these games, and there shouldn't be a, a footprint or a fingerprint, uh, you know, of uh, the refs on the game. That's my biggest problem: is that the refs took over this game and they took it out of the players' hands. And this isn't the first time this has happened. This has been one of the worst officiating years in all of the NFL's history. I think this year was the first time ever in the NFL that a referee was fired. Mid-season. A testament to two things. Number one, 
how awful the officiating has been this year that it's the first time it's ever happened that a ref was so bad he had to be fired before the season even concluded. And number two, how awful, I mean, excuse me, how hard it is to be fired as a referee in the NFL because, I mean, there have been plenty of bad calls in the NFL's history. And it was this, this year was the first time ever that they felt this guy is so bad we can't even keep him around for the next seven or eight weeks. So it is, this isn't a problem that has just popped up in the, in the championship games. This has been a problem all season long in what has been a great football year. And that is just where I have my disgust. The Super Bowl is tarnished. It's tainted. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing I have invested in this game because I feel both teams are, you know, are, are fraudulent in their appearances there. Um, there's... I mean, well, Tom Brady's been there three years in a row. And I don't, again, I don't even have a problem with that. If the Patriots had won on a true, a real fourth quarter comeback drive, who wouldn't want to see this game? The Rams, the same thing. If they had truly won these games without the help, you know, of, of some random wild card referee, this game would be interesting. But the Super Bowl has been ruined. The championship games were obviously ruined. And uh, what's even more frustrating is Roger Goodell apparently is falling off the face of the earth. He's nowhere to be found. He hasn't said anything about either of these games. And he's going to keep quiet and hope that the Avengers trailer in the Super Bowl is enough to keep everybody quiet uh, come February 3rd. And it's, it's frustrating. This should not be a problem in this multi-billion dollar industry that is the NFL. How are these referees making you know, this level of mistakes on what is next to the biggest stage in the league, the both AFC and NFC Championship games. It is beyond infuriating. Like I said, my biggest feeling was disgust. If both of these teams had won, that'd be a different story. And it was already it was already the worst possible matchup. If we got the Chiefs and the Rams, I think that was the one that everyone really wanted. That was the game of the year. Everyone would love to see that on a neutral field, a rematch. The, the Chiefs and the Saints, okay, high-scoring offenses, lots of touchdowns, great. If it was the Patriots and the Saints, I would have loved to see that game. You know, Brady and Breeze, you're talking about two of the all-time greats on the same field, you know, uh, dueling it. I mean, that'd be great. The Patriots and the Rams was always the worst matchup anyways, and we, I feel like this was dumped on us. This was just handed, force-fed to us us the fans you know specifically I'm complaining I'm not even a Chiefs fan or a Saints fan I mean they were robbed blind and I was just absolutely disgusted by what I saw on Sunday January the 20th in 2019 I think that that's that's going to be like uh you know we're going to look back on that day as one of the worst days in NFL history I think those calls were that you know, egregious. I think they were that horrendous that it is, it's it's a stain on the NFL and it's it's a stain on the Super Bowl, and uh, I am I am incredibly disappointed. I, I feel like this is just, it was an insult to our intelligence as fans. It was quite honestly an insult that they would make those calls or not make those calls, and then just you know basically just go, eh, sorry, what are you gonna do? Because Roger Goodell has not made any comment whatsoever. Um, I and I don't even. It's it's something that can't be fixed. Um, you can fix it moving forward, but you can't f- fix the damages that have been caused. I don't think replaying the game. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. That's just too crazy to imagine. Uh, reviewing pass interference. That's something they're talking about. You can't review. There is probably pass interference on nearly every single play. It's only a few that get called, and apparently we don't even get the ones that are pass interference called anyway. You can't review that. I disagree with that entirely. You can't fix that. The way you fix that is you hire referees with a brain in between their ears. It's, I mean, I understand being a referee is hard. It really, really is. I mean, it's not an easy job, and they get ripped a lot. But with something like this where it's happened on the two biggest stages and it's been going on all season long, something has to be done. And the NFL cannot stand quiet on this. They have to do something. They have to fix, you know, what is the biggest problem currently facing the NFL on the football field, uh, mind you, is the ref- the officiating of the game. It is a problem. It has ruined this NFL season for me. And unfortunately, it has tainted what I look, you know, what is the greatest event in North American sports, the Super Bowl. 
And that's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say, and I've gone on for 40 minutes. Um, time for the ads. <sighs> okay. Wow, that took, uh, that took a lot out of me. Um, that's something that I really had to get off my chest. I really feel, you know, not so much I'm mad that the Patriots won, because I'm not. Um, not that I'm mad about that. I wanted the Rams to win. I really did. I want to see the Rams in the Super Bowl. I mean, bring the Lombardi Trophy back to L.A. It would be the first time. I think ever, I don't think Los Angeles has ever won a Super Bowl, so that'd be great. Um, but just the the way they won those games, um, and then you know the arrogance of the NFL to just ignore what happened, the arrogance of both teams to you know just gloss over what happened and you know kind of crown themselves as the rightful winners of those two games. It's uh, something that I just can't uh, I, I can't accept personally. I guess I have to because there's nothing is going to be changed about it. And it's just, I had to really voice my opinion on that. It was just terrible. Something else that I have to voice my opinion on, uh, NBA James Harden. I love everything that's going on. And I feel like as a basketball fan, watching James Harden, you know, it's, it's fun. It's something, I think it's good for the game, especially because he's someone that's not on the Golden State Warriors. You know, all year long, that's anyone, the only two teams that are relevant in the media are the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers. One is too good to be entertaining, and one's not good at all. I mean, without LeBron or Rondo, the Lakers are no good. They're out of the playoffs currently, so they're not even good. Um, and I think it's great that, you know, we have a good team, a championship contender. I would say the Rockets are, you know, fighting their way back into uh, contenders for winning the West. Um and we're seeing these all these records being broken. So I thought this was a good thing for the league. And uh, I look on all the comments on uh, you know under Bleacher Report, ESPN, all those pages, and uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And everyone is against this, and I'm shocked by that. A lot of people are really up. They're tearing down uh, James Harden. They're trying to discredit him because he's taking a lot of shots. Well, I mean, yeah, to get 50 points, it takes about shooting 30 or 40 shots. That's just math. That's usually how that works. Um, you're, ne- 50, you're never going to get 50 points on 25 shots because that means you go 25 for 25. That would, that's impossible. That is physically impossible. So, yes, he's taking a lot of shots. Um, they're trying to discredit him by saying they're, half of them for, are from the free throw line. Um, I didn't realize that shooting free throws was less valuable or that the points counted less because you're at the free throw line than if you were contested. So I just had to voice my opinion on this. And it's this one isn't as it's frustrating, but it's not as uh, aggravating as the you know the championship games or anything like that. But it is frustrating to me because uh, I like James Harden, I like what he's doing, um, and it's confusing. It's just kind of confusing to me why people are are not appreciating what they're seeing in front of them. Um, he's he's had twenty one straight games. Has James Harden. Uh, shooting guard for the Houston Rockets, in case you you may or may not have known. But uh, he's had 21 games in a row where he scored at least, at the very least, 30 points. And uh, last night, played in Madison Square Garden, the world's second most famous arena. Um, And where famously, you know, a lot of players, you know, they go off. There was Jordan's double nickel. Kobe had 61. Steph Curry, I think, had 54. You know, people just have a field day uh, playing in the Knicks arena, except everyone who's ever played for the Knicks. Uh, Carmelo Anthony has the all-time record, but uh, I don't. he's not even an all-time Nick, if you were to ask me. Um, that's besides the point. James Harden put an exclamation point, or is an exclamation mark. Which one is it? I've heard people say exclamation mark. I say exclamation point. Um, whatever you want to call it. He put one of those, you know, the line with the period. It, it uh, signifies uh, shouting. If you're, if you're reading a book, if you see that, just know that the, the character was shouted and showed a lot of emotion right there. Um, he put an exclamation point with 61 points. Uh, tying the Mamba himself, Kobe Bryant, for the most points by a visitor uh, at Madison Square Garden ever. And I think it's very ironic and very poetic that uh, he shares the record with someone whom he has so many similarities with. Did I say that right? That would seem like, now we're just working on it. I need a grammar podcast. This is why I'm not on the front page. I don't know how to speak English. Um, me personally, I feel like James Harden is the closest that we have seen to Kobe Bryant. 
Um, not that they play the same because they don't because Kobe kind of mirrored his game off of Jordan. And so by saying James Harden is like Kobe, that's like by extension, he's like Michael Jordan, which I just, I don't know. They don't play similarly, but they share the same spirit. Um, he embodies the spirit of Kobe Bryant like none other. The assassin, the, the scoring ability, you know, he leads by example. He's a leader in his own right. Kobe Bryant was not put his arm around you and be your best friend. Kobe Bryant pushed you till you, you just either quit or you started to perform. And uh, James Harden, again, they're not similar in the sense that they have the same play style. James Harden's not a post-up, uh, you know, turnaround, fadeaway kind of guy. But he is a scorer. Um, and he, the things that he does with the basketball, you just watch him play. You're just, you, you can feel his impact on the game. And Kobe was very similar in that sense as well. Um, Kobe, I think he has the record for most missed shots or most shot attempts. Uh, but he he was a killer in the sense that he he was willing to take those shots. He wasn't going to shy away. And uh, James Harden has that similarity or that trait as well. And uh, people are you know using that against James Harden, saying he's taking way too many shots. Um, of course, he has all these points. He just keeps shooting and shooting and shooting. Um, and I I feel like this is hypocritical because. During Russell Westbrook's first uh, year averaging the triple-double, and I think it was his MVP year when he had just the, broke the all-time record for most triple-doubles in a season and uh, averaged a triple-double, which, again, I'm not taking it away from him, but a lot of people were, you know, uh, championing Russell West, what Russell Westbrook. That's fun to say. Um, and I did, too. I said, you know, great, good for Russell Westbrook. He has to. And that year, Russell Westbrook, they had a winning, and the Thunder had a winning record when he had a triple-double. Uh, and there was no one on that team. I think Victor Oladipo was on that team, but he wasn't uh, He wasn't the Victor Oladipo we know now. And uh, sidebar here, shout-out to Victor Oladipo. He had a horrible leg injury last night. Um, he's a great player. Wishing him the fastest recovery you know, possible. We're really thinking about Victor Oladipo, so shout-out to him. But he was not the same player at Oklahoma City. So for the Thunder to win, they needed Russell Westbrook to do everything and he did and he won the MVP that year obviously they didn't win the finals or anything like that because then they just ran I think ironically to the Rockets but you know they just kind of they the NBA is a talent driven league you need you need help you need superstars um, but Russell Westbrook took c- took care of what he needed to do to get him in the playoffs he put the team on his back um, and in the Rockets they're missing Chris Paul they're missing Clint Capella they're two second best players so who else on that team is going to take shots and take over the game Eric Gordon I mean, I I think it's hypocritical for people to say James Harden is shooting way too many shots um, because, you know, most people in the NBA, it's a star-driven league. We shun away the stars who are, um, they shy away from the big moments. They're too passive. Um, they don't score enough. They don't take over. They don't close games. And here's the guy, James Harden, who is literally putting the team on his back leading by example and doing and they're winning he's doing everything in his power to make sure that the Houston Rockets are winning basketball games and they are uh they won last night and even still he had 61 last night and I think they won by single digits it was a close game against the Knicks so James Harden is do it'd be different if they were losing games then I would feel differently about this but they're winning games yes he's taking shots but he's supposed to he is the man. He is the face of the franchise in Houston. He should be taking 40, well, I don't know about 40, but a lot of shots, and I think he took 50 shots last night. But they're winning games, and he has to. If he doesn't take this many shots and he doesn't score this many points, they're not winning. The Rockets are not winning without James Harden playing like James Harden. And conversely, going back to Russell Westbrook, he doesn't have as many triple-doubles this year. I think he's still averaging one, which would be his third straight year averaging a triple double. Have to fact check that uh, with uh, the number one Horizons very their number one uh, authority on all things Russell Westbrook, Ivan Torres. I'll have to get back to him with the, get back to him on that. But I'm pretty sure it's his third straight year, maybe his fourth, on averaging a triple double, which is I mean unbelievable. But he doesn't have the same number as triple doubles as he did in the past. Why is that? Because now they have Paul George and he's playing like an MVP. Um, that's not to say that Russell, I mean, so Russell Westbrook's numbers have gone down because they have a second option. When Chris Paul and Clint Capella come back, James Harden, he's going to still be, you know, 
he's gonna not gonna fall off the face of the earth, but he's not gonna be averaging 50 points over a week because there are other options on that team. There are other people who will score the ball and take some of the offensive load away. Um, so I think you know it's this is just a side effect of not there's no one else on that team who can score the basketball consistently, and all of his points are coming with on no assists. None of his points are assisted on. Which is a testament to how much he ha- how much of a workload he's taking on, and it's not a selfish thing. It'd be a selfish thing if there if Chris Paul was playing, or if Clint Capella was playing, or if he was taking on this load and they were losing games. He is taking on this load, putting the franchise on his back to do everything in his power to win basketball games. I love it. And the second point I wanted to make or wanted to address is everyone is t- is trying to discredit his his scoring run because. He's he's half of his points or something like that. And I don't even think it's half. I think people are exaggerating. But a lot of his points are at the free throw line. And I have a severe, as a basketball savant, I'd like to, uh, you know, label myself. But as a basketball, I won't label myself a basketball savant. That's kind of pretentious. But I am a basketball purist. How about that? I, have, I like people who can make free throws. I'm sorry. The best player on the face of the planet, LeBron James, is just okay at shooting free throws and I of course LeBron plays for the Lakers I have nothing against LeBron but I we live in a basketball society a basketball culture that overlooks and doesn't appreciate free throws and that really bothers me why are we taking away from a guy who can make free throws and if you look at the game you look at some of the stars in the game um LeBron I just mentioned is not a great he's not a great free throw he's not bad LeBron but he's not you know 80 70 80 percent for the free throw line i think he's like 60 you know bordering on 70 which is not great especially if you're the best player uh on the planet Giannis Antetokounmpo not not great from the free throw line Russell Westbrook uh is not good from the free throw line he makes him when he has to I'll give Russell Westbrook that much but um why are we taking away from guy Alon- uh, this is kind of a stretch here but Lonzo Ball he's not a star but he is a celebrity he is historically bad shooting from the free throw line um Shaquille O'Neal, one of the all-time worst free throw shooter, famously bad free throw shooter. Um, in his career, Shaquille O'Neal only had one season. Only had one season. And I want to, st- I cannot stress this enough. Get ready for this stat. He's only had one season where he shot less than 50% from the free throw line. Shaq, okay? All-time, all-time bad free throw shooter. Lonzo Ball now in his second year, he's been in the league two years, Already has two seasons where he shot less than 50% from the free throw line, and he's a point guard. So that tells me, you know, the the kind of the culture, the climate. I'm just throwing out words now, but the basketball culture that we live in just devalues free throws, and I don't think that's fair. I don't think that that should be true. Free throws are points. And, you know, there are plenty of stars I just listed that are not great or just can't shoot from the free throw line. So why are we taking away from James Harden, who's one of the the game's best scorers right now? I mean, I'm going to hold, I'm going to reserve my right to call him the the greatest offensive player of all time. I'm going to hold that uh, in my back pocket. I don't know how true that is, but he's one of the great scorers right now. I'd say Kevin Durant, James Harden, then Steph Curry in that order. Um, And you look at Kevin Durant. He gets to the free throw line as well. I don't, and it's not so much. I know I just did a whole forty-minute segment, you know, shredding referees, but that was in the NFL. In the NBA, I don't feel that the refs are handing Russell West. I mean, excuse me, James Harden um, attempts at the free throw line. I feel it's James Harden exploiting off-balance defenders and creating contact. It is an art form. It's a technique. It's it's not a it's not a luck of the draw or the refs just give him calls. Who did I just mention? Kevin Durant, one of the maybe the best scorer in the league as right now, as of this very second. I guess James Harden. But if you ask me to pick who the best scorer is, I'd still say Kevin Durant. But it's close. James Harden is like I mean, you know, it's a razor thin gap. I mean, it's really that close. But anyway, Kevin Durant gets the line just as much as James Harden. And it's not because he's on the Golden State Warriors. It's because he's mastered. It's his patented move. When he's posting you down, he likes to do like a rip-through. And then the defenders always reach, and he gets clipped, and he goes to the line, and he makes his free throws. So 
what both of those two have in common, they can score and they can create contact. And then not only create contact, they can finish at the free throw line. It's not so much that, you know, um, James Harden's just getting handed calls and Kevin Durant's getting handed calls. It's that they're, it's an art form. Creating contact and exploiting the defense, it's a true art that both of those two have mastered. And it's not that Giannis doesn't get calls or Ben Simmons doesn't get calls or LeBron doesn't get calls. It's so much that, you know, it's an art form that they haven't truly mastered. Even though I feel LeBron James doesn't get called nearly as much as maybe he should, but that's a different story for a different day. However, if he did get all those calls, it's not a guarantee that he he would even make those free throws in the first place. James Harden, he can shoot from the free throw line, and I know people like to poo-poo that like it's it's nothing it's nothing special. Well, some of the best stars in our game are deficient scoring from the free throw line, and I don't think we should be taken away from James Harden because he can make a free throw because it's part of the game and their points. And ultimately, this game was built on the premise of one thing, and that's to put the orange ball in the red hoop. Put the ball in the hole any way from anywhere. And James Harden can create contact. He can finish through contact. That's why you see him get a lot of and one plays as well. And then he can make the free throw and tack on another one. Do not try and take away from James Harden because he knows how to make free throws. That is just so lazy that's being a hater you want to call me a hater because i say the patriots you know they had a shady win or there should be an asterisk next to their super bowl opinion uh next to their super bowl win that's my opinion that's not hating hating is saying james harden is not a true scorer because he he can finish from the free throw line that's being a hater making free throws is nothing to roll your eyes at okay and as boring as you think they they may be they count just the same as every other point in the game, James Harden can make free throws. Stop trying to take away from the run that he's on right now and appreciate it. I feel very grateful that I am alive in this universe at the same time as this, as this James Harden run. You should be thankful that you get to witness this level of basketball. When you're, You should be thankful that you're alive in the era of basketball that you are because this hasn't happened, this kind of run that James Harden is on. This kind of scoring run hasn't happened since 2006 with Kobe Bryant. And it hasn't happened before that since the early 60s. 1961 with Wilt Chamberlain. So just let that sink in. We're watching a supernova right now. We're watching a black hole. Just some oddity of the universe. We're just seeing something that really hasn't happened before. Well, it has happened, but rarely. Rarely has it ever happened before in this sport. And people are trying to take away and trying to denounce what is going on. It's just, you know, you have to live with yourself taking this for granted. Because we're going to look back 10, 15 years from now and say, wow, what a run 2018, 2019 James Harden went on. That was one of the greatest scoring runs of all time. And if you're too busy focusing on free throws um, and the lack, their lack of importance, that's on you because I, for one, love everything that James Harden is doing. Um, it's just great. He's my MVP right now. If he didn't score, if it stopped now at 21 games with the 61 point exclamation mark, um, I had to say mark because I just said 61 point. I didn't want to say 61 point exclamation point. I had to switch it up there. But with a 60 point game, if he finishes it here and he doesn't score 30 again for the rest of the year, I think he's still the MVP for the level of greatness that he's put on display over the last month and a half to two months and it's not over okay it's i'm just saying hypothetically he's probably going to keep this run going possibly to 30 games appreciate what you're seeing from james harden right now let's go ahead and get to the quote of the week we are currently over one hour so let's go ahead and finish wrap this thing up uh quote honestly the front office pushes who they want to get the ball to Cole Beasley on not getting uh, a respectable amount of targets from Dak Prescott. And it's really not a shot at Dak Prescott. The shot right there is in the quote itself. It's at the front office, whether that's Stephen Jones or it's Jerry Jones or whoever it may be. Uh, they, you know, he's saying, and I believe it, you know, the front office, they, they're the one, it's, that's the business side of it. Um, they want to increase jersey sales. They want to increase ticket sales. They want to increase, you know, media exposure. 
they're kind of directing the team the way they want it to be directed. And I always have a problem with front offices trying to get themselves involved in the football aspect of the game in any sport. I, I hate when the front office tries to, you know, uh, influence the basketball side of things. In baseball, right now, that's a big problem in baseball is uh, front offices, everyone's trying to make the analytics push. And they're trying to force their managers into righty, lefty, you know, pitch up, pitching matchups. Uh, bring in, you bring in one guy for t- one or two pitches because he's a left-hander. Um, maybe he walks him, maybe he gets a hit, whatever. And then you pull him out. You burn a pitcher on one batter because you, the analytics say. So, like, the front, I hate when front offices try to influence the sport. Focus on the business side. Let, let your players and your coaches handle what they need to take care of because they know more than you. And I get where Cole Beasley's coming from because he's seeing who's in the Super Bowl right now. Oh, yeah, it's the Patriots and the Rams. I just did a whole... A whole episode, really, about you know just this one game, and uh, who? What are the Patriots famous for? Uh, Tom Brady, yeah. Bill Belichick, yeah. But then after that, um, it's their patented slot receivers. It's Wes Welker. It's Dion Branch. And you fast forward to oh Danny Amendola. Now it's Julian Julian Edelman, and now it's Chris Hogan. And you know we we love those guys, Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan. We can't get enough of those guys in New England. Um, and then in Dallas. Cole Beasley feels underappreciated. Is he Amari Cooper? No. And I feel, you know, maybe he doesn't admit that because I feel like no athlete really, you know, concedes being less than another athlete. But he feels that he should be getting just as many targets as Amari Cooper. And you look at New England, and he went on to say in this this, uh, quote here, I didn't keep it here. I like to keep the quotes like one sentence. But he says, I get a lot more targets in the two-minute drill when nothing is planned out. When there's madness and we just need to go, 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 that's where I'm getting all the catches. Why? Because I'm wide open all day long. And Cole Beasley has been a weapon. He was a weapon for Tony Romo towards the end of his career. In the beginning of Dak Prescott's career, he was a massive weapon. And these past year, or last year too, he was nowhere to be found. I mean, he had like two or three targets, not catches, targets a game. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a free agent this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he found himself uh, in New England and then he's like the NFL's leading receiver next year because they would absolutely... Cole Beasley can play and he's got hands. He's durable, even though he's you know, on the smaller side, but he's a durable player. Um, and I feel where he's coming from. I understand why he's so upset. And I just, I just want to make a, a point here. Front offices need to stay out of the way of the sport. Handle the business. Handle the, the, you know, not even the drafting even. Just stay, just stay out of the way. Just tell me how much revenue we have from ticket sales and don't tell me who to draft or who to throw the ball to. And the Cowboys, I, I can really see this. This isn't a big surprise. You know, okay, we traded for Amari Cooper, a first-round pick. We have to justify that, so just get Amari Cooper the ball at all costs and even towards the end of the season they weren't getting him the ball I mean the last I think two or three games for the Cowboys Amari Cooper was nowhere to be found I think he, he had like three or four catches in a game against the Rams he had one touchdown it was a big touchdown it was a big play but they weren't even getting him the ball as much as I felt they should have Amari Cooper should have more targets I, I again he's your number one get him the ball at all costs Cole Beasley let's get him more than three targets how about that and uh, a lot of people are tearing him down for it. A lot of people are upset that he's, you know, taking the social media. Good for Cole Beasley. Good for Cole Beasley for standing up for himself and taking it to the media and, you know, addressing it. And now guys like me, guys who do, uh, you know, podcasts for like seven different people, but people are talking about this. And I'm sure now, especially, and again, Scott Linehan just got fired. He's going to get more targets. So good for him for, you know, handle it you know because you have to at some point i tear down at like Le'Veon bell antonio brown because they're divas but at some point you have to stick up for yourself and you have to voice your opinion and there are ways of going about it uh antonio brown's trying to fist fight ben roethlisberger your franchise quarterback that's not how you do things now if you take you take things on twitter like cole beasley um and then you extend the conversation because I know Jason Garrett, Jerry Jones brought him in. Hey, what's this about? Now you started a conversation without trying to fight Dak Prescott. So this is the right way to go about it. So good on Cole Beasley. I'd love to see him get more. Ca- it's a contract year for him, um, whether it's he plays uh, next next year with the Cowboys or he finds his way uh, on, on the Patriots or even the Vikings. I could see him fitting in there because they got a gang of receivers. Um, good for Cole Beasley. I wish him nothing but the best. 
Um, and I like this. There are ways to promote yourself and get yourself an uptick in, in reps and minutes or whatever you want to call it for whatever sport at bats. There is a, a right way and a wrong way to go about this. Um, should he have gone directly to Twitter? Maybe not. But by go- maybe, and again, we don't know. We don't know. Maybe he did, you know, bring this up with Jason Garrett, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, and they just kind of get out of here. They just pushed him out. So he said, okay, I'm going to take to Twitter and create a story. So we have to talk about this. We don't know what happened before this. He could have already tried to have start this, started this conversation and maybe they weren't listening. Uh, now they have to because people are talking about it. And uh, he's done all this without trying to fight physically Amari Cooper or Dak Prescott. You know, this is, I like what Cole Beasley has done here. Uh, I hope he has a great year next year. And uh, he might be a sleeper now for those of you fantasy uh, owners or managers. You know, going into next year, you're already starting your big board. Cole, I just dropped my pen. Cole Beasley might have an uptick in receptions next year. He should. Uh, I think he's definitely, he absolutely has the talent, the route running and the hands. Uh, he's he's maybe the best slot receiver in, in the game, but he doesn't get, you know, nearly as many targets as Julian Edelman or... Uh, Chris Hogan. That is the end of our show this week. I will talk to you next week. Next week is it's going to be a Super Bowl special. Um, we'll see. <clears throat> we excuse me. We shall see if I'm going to do a recording every single day. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll go back and forth with that over the weekend. Uh, thanks to Anchor for sponsoring this week's. Uh, episode you can listen on apple Podcasts. please if you're on apple Podcasts, please subscribe leave a review share with your friends i would really really appreciate that we're gonna have to do this on our own guys we're an anchor is not gonna help us uh promote too much but uh, you can listen on apple Podcasts. you can listen on anchor spotify google podcast or wherever fine podcasts are sold it's a crowd noise podcast i will talk to you next week have a great weekend there's no games this weekend but uh you know enjoy your weekend nonetheless i'll talk to you next week